Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark, you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan, and you can catch me on that social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I am Joe Dorowski, and you can hear me over on the Protagonist Podcast. Alrighty, and today on Man of Steel, we're going to be talking about number 45 of Man of Steel. The minute starts with Lois telling Glenn Woodburn, I want my mystery man to know I know the truth. And then the minute ends with Dorel telling Clark that he's in fact his father, saying, My name is Dorel. My name is what? My name is <laughs> Chicka Chicka Jorel. There we go. Keep that in. Don't edit that out. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. This is a weird phrase straight out of the gate for this minute. Uh, Lois says, I want my mystery man to know I know the truth. Joe's okay. laughing. <laughs> this drives me nuts because that's not like a reporter's reason for having a story get out there. It's like, no, the truth is being suppressed would be a reporter's reason for having it. This is a, a Craigslist misconnections that she wants out on the Internet is mm-hmm. basically what this is. And, and it just frustrates me because Lois Lane should be driven by all those reporter instincts. And that's not what we're given as her reason for undercutting her contract with the Daily Planet and leaking something to a reporter that she or a blogger that she doesn't respect at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes, sorry, it goes back to what I was saying. Like, did they fall in love in that moment that they first saw each other? And she wants to Craigslist misconnections, this guy that, oh, wow, he was good looking and he healed my wounds. He's a keeper. Yeah. Eyes. But it's also weird that she says, I want him to know that I know the truth. Well, of course. I mean, he was there. He saved you. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, what is that? Like, the end goal of that sentence just means, hey, I remember that time you sealed that wound that I died. <laughs> yeah. You know that because you did it. Yeah. It really isn't until you, you, she investigates. You know I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, you know I was there because you shot my belly with fire eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, now if she was, now if she, like, took the pictures and he didn't know. Then, or if if he had tried the uh, the mind wiping kiss from Superman two. Oh God! Oh my God! What are you? <laughs> and these and then she's like, I want him to know that I didn't forget. Like your kiss didn't work on me. But yeah. No, it's just like I remember this very event that you and I shared. It's it's almost as if um, this scene should have happened after she found out the identity of Clark Kent and interviewed all those people. That's kind of like I want my you know savior to, to know the truth to know that i know it's like okay well what, exactly what do you know in this aspect you know that this guy was just had powers that no other human has and he you know he knows that too but then later on you you know she finds out who clark ken is that's that that line seems like it should be placed somewhere around there and we talked a lot last minute about lois lane and how she's this tough female you know go get the truth and everything but for me this one line of dialogue just underlines a lot of that this line should have been something else. I don't think it works. It doesn't make sense. Um, I I get the tenacity of it and, you know, the journalistic integrity. But taking the sentence as it is and with what we've seen, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I think there was a way to say it. So it's like, I guess as an audience, if we're not paying attention to the words we get the 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 drive of it. We get the emotion. We get we get the purpose. But actually looking at it, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you yeah, you could have said like, I want the truth to to be known. I want people to know um, that we are not alone. Yeah. So that that would have made sense. Um, this sounds weird. This makes it seem <laughs> like it's trying to push for that Lois Lane uh, Clark relationship. Exactly. Because she says the words mystery man. That's like the, those are the, what do you call it? The buzzword. The buzzword is mi- mystery man. That's that's literally the buzzword of that what sentence. Password? Is that what you're talking about? The password no, is. But, oh, yeah. I was like the key word of it. Um, and then she downs this scotch. And I, being a bartender, why are you disrespecting scotch like that? Like, you yeah. can't just be like... <laughs> You're going to down that thing? Like, that's not badass. That's disrespectful. You respect that thing. You put a splash of water, break up the fatty molecules in that scotch, and you enjoy it. Nah, this girl just downs it. Again, I don't like you, Lil Slane, but I like you. 
Yeah. Now, is that the move of someone who wants to look tough but doesn't know what they're doing? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <Exactly. Okay>. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. This is the kind of person that thinks a spaceship is a Soviet-era submarine, gets called an idiot, and then says someone else said that, <laughs> and they sound like an idiot. Just pointing the finger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but then, you know, that, that sells to Glenn Woodburn. He's like, all right, you got a deal. Um, and then we cut to some... Pol- what is the deal, though? Like, is he just releasing this article she's written? Is that the entire deal? Yep. Yeah. He's putting it out there. It's going to seem okay. like he got a victory because he was able to leak a crazy article by Lois Lane that happens to be sourced and true and validated. So it makes him look bigger to the general audience. Um, and this leads to his fame. This is why he's interviewed in Donna Justice, because he's the guy who released this story. <laughs> but but is the method that he got it supposed to be hacking and that like helps his reputation that he stole this story from Lois Lane? Yeah, man. He got it. <laughs> and, and suddenly makes him a reputable journalist that should be interviewed. Yeah. I, I mean, guess... but even even if it would have made a little bit more sense if she told him to publish it anonymously because then there's this whole scene later on in the movie where you know he goes on on TV and says Lois Lane you know knows this guy of of course you you know Lois Lane knows this guy because she wrote the article that you released like why did you need to go on a TV show and publicly announce that like everybody that's reading it should already know unless it's not a popular blog and people don't know this so he was just like meh, 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 meh. I know Lois Lane and uh she knows aliens <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my Glad Winburn impression. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, you didn't need to explain it. We all knew exactly <laughs> what you were imitating right there. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I guess it to to them to people like that, it's just about getting the the recognition, the fame. Like, oh, I'm that guy. I did. But that. people like that, you mean bloggers, don't you? Yeah, and you're the, saying ooh, it distinctly. The dreaded bloggers. <laughs> 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 Um, just look at, hey, does it catch people's attention? All right, we're going to publish it. Basis of Journalism, 2017. All right. Um, <laughs> so with that, we switch back to Clark Kent, Kal-El, with the scout ship. Yeah. Polar bears, immediately. Mm-hmm. I love this thing. So Superman lives in the 90s. It was being first, like, John Peters, executive producer, wanted to do Superman Lives. Kevin Smith. This is the Nicolas Cage one, right? Yes. Yeah. Kevin Smith penned or was told to write a script. Um, John Peters had some. I hope I'm not butchering the name. I hope I got the name right. John Peters wanted three things in the film: uh, lose the cape, lose the suit. He didn't like the suit. No flying. Got to fight a giant spider at the end. Those were his rules, <laughs> because spiders are the most vicious creatures in the animal kingdom. Later on, uh, there's like Kevin Smith. He wants Kevin Smith to write some about Brainiac going to the Fortress of Solitude. And he's like, he's got to fight something. There's got to be action. There's like no action. He's like, make him fight two polar bears. Two polar bears. And then Kevin Smith's like, what? You want to fight two polar bears? And he's like, why? He's like, because polar bears are the most vicious animal in the animal kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) So that didn't work. Um, you know, and then the script got rewritten a bunch of times. But the polar bears was always the weirdest thing when people read about Superman Lives. They're like, what? They were supposed to do? He was supposed to fight polar bears or something? Were they genetically enhanced polar bears? Did Superman well, arm them? Here's the thing. <laughs> like, here's what people always question is like, why would Superman have polar bears defending the Fortress of Solitude? Giant lasers so on their wh- back? Why would they be defending him? Why would polar bears? This is Superman we're talking about. He didn't need anybody to defend him. But you, if, why polar bears? <laughs> But now, Man of Steel, we get some polar bears in a Superman film. I thought it was just to to, to portray the setting, like the, no, you know, that, the classic true. Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, yeah, and it could yeah. be. But I'm just saying, as a person who knows the history, yo, we got polar bears in a Superman <laughs> film, case closed. All right, good. We now you're happy. Like you the can circle happy. is now complete. Yeah, there we go. I like um, the idea of Superman striding out with polar bear bodyguards around him, like a circle of polar bears follow him all around. And it, I think it's it, it's got to be a reference because – this shot is polar bear, and then the camera pans to the Fortress of Solitude. This All right. is it. All right. <laughs> so we've made it. That's good. <laughs> we got what we wanted. I'm okay with polar that. bears. Um, so really excited about that. So how has no one found this ship? Because he said, take us to the most 
Yeah, I mean, well, if you if you want to just go as far back as to regular Superman lore, his Fortress of Solitude is always, you know, in the Arctic Circle, and it's in a, in a place that is so inconceivably inhabitable, if you will, to, to another human that can't explore there, even mm-hmm. by, you know, even by airship or, or drone or anything, whatever. Invisible it's just, plane. Yeah, it's just so secluded that, you know, it, it's just like one of the most harsh environments on our planet that that no one could dare come close to um i and do then you have to pick up a giant key to get exactly. in. exactly um i do really like that uh the scout ship ends up here um it is a call to classic fortress of solitude but i i like that the fortress is not a, a normal fortress of solitude that we see that it is a scout ship and it's good that they did take that one step forward into saying all right well we're gonna place it in a normal fortress of solitude setting I am a huge fan that the Fortress of Solitude is this scout ship. Yeah, me too. Not a fan that it does not stay that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for reasons. Also, it's it's just sitting there in this scene. Like, w- there's a lot of government satellites that circle the entire planet. You want to you her- bury that thing and hide it. Well, That's here, what I said. I was like, they're not tracking it. They didn't see that. Okay, it stopped right there. Go. Here's what I couldn't pick out. Um, and maybe for lack of trying, but she's the ship. I can't, I, I there's no name for this thing. Fortress of Solitude. Scout ship 0344. She's, yeah. She's spitting out some Krypton jargon, mumble jumbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they're under disguise or something is what I was getting the impression. Cause she was saying like, this is activated. We're doing this. Like, how do you want to proceed? She's a saying all kinds of stuff so i was like well maybe they're blanketed maybe they're invisible oh, yeah. maybe they're Could cloaked be. or something mm. um but yeah she was saying some stuff and it just kind of to me sounded like you know all statuses are green like we're uh, you now have permission to walk aboard the flight or something you mm-hmm. know one of those type <laughs> of things um and then so we see the cool captain's chair lifting up it would have been really cool to see Kal-El in the chair doing something with it. <laughs> to see them get to this would yeah. be pretty neat. Yeah. Um, we do see it later on, but it's it's not Cal. Yeah. And then the chair lifts up, and boom, Russell Crowe is there. Ghost. Kimono and all as yeah. Jor-El. jor was in this movie a lot more than I anticipated before I went to see it. Yes. Did you like it? <laughs> uh, how much jor there was? Yeah. Uh, it, to me, it's one of the things that makes the film feel off balance, actually. Yes, and I think I can say why is I feel like Zack Snyder really wanted Jor El to be the person, or like so up until now, like before this film came out, most of Superman's teachings come from Ma and Pa Kent. Like those yes. were the backbone of his of his character. And I think Zack Snyder didn't want to keep doing that. I think Zack Snyder was like... He had a very different version of Pa Kent in mind than the one who gave him a moral center. He wanted to, like, well, why can't his parents, like, kind of bestow more of, like, more character for him? So you bring down the Jonathan Kent and you bring up the Jor-El and... Leave out Lara entirely. (laughs) Yeah, which (laughs) would have been nice to have seen something like that. Like, like in this line, he has a line like, if only your mother could have seen you. Could she not have? Like, you just did this for yourself. Could yeah. you have not done this for your wife, too? Yeah, and I have a... Yeah, see, there's a lot of questions with this thing because this technology right here that is Jor-El's hologram or artificial in- intelligence is unlike any bit of technology uh, that Krypton has. So it feels out of place Uh continuity wise but for the storytelling of the film it works which is weird because usually it would be the the opposite way yeah i don't know um he should not be a fully fleshed out person he should be made of liquid geo um like how they communicated on krypton this whole hologram thing doesn't make any sense uh yeah uh, Kryptonian wise, yeah. I mean, um, in the past, we've seen Jor-El's just the like the you know Zordon floating head, you know, talking through crystals and, yeah. and memories and such. So, so yeah, it it just it seems more like 
oh, you're going to have Russell Crowe in the movie? Okay, he's got to have a lot of screen time. Or just like, oh, you can't just have Russell Crowe be made out of gray blocks. Yeah. yeah. You have I to. Mean, you, you would have thought the prologue gave Russell Crowe enough screen time that he would have been fine with whatever they asked him to do. <laughs> From then on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's 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 odd that this is the technology that's used and we don't know how it's working it's weird because we can figure out how everything else is kind of working uh as far as kryptonian technology but this hologram we have no idea like are you like sentient i don't know yeah well and what's the light source for this hologram exactly (laughs) yeah we don't know what's projecting him we don't know are you able to learn information well he is i mean he learns lois lane uh, he, right. he, he calls so Lois by Lane later. Yeah. And well, and it's not even clear how he learns Lois later. He just calls her by name all of a sudden. Unless, yeah, unless it like does like that same kind of deal where they, what is it, Zod did that whole dream sequence and, and they read her mind. So if, if that Jor-El hologram. Now that's all in the ship and Jor-El has access to everything in the ship. Yeah, like he is the ship. He's the ship's AI and there's just hologram projectors on every single inch of the ship. <laughs> it's like they used science to create ghosts yeah which is so weird how do you do that how do you make... but a ghost that's not just like the preserved Jarrell as he was it's a Jarrell that's learning and evolving yeah and able to reflect back about his memories and um to like talk about like, oh yeah if if only your mother was could yeah. see you stand like to see you standing here if only your mother could see this it's so this uh, yeah it's, it's it's weird i i don't know if you can add more context to make it work i just feel like it doesn't make sense this hologram ai is a very dangerous thing to think about and it, i don't know if we've covered it in, in previous minutes but maybe jor-el was the only one that was able to to successfully create this uh particular ai because if you think about it if there was Another character that had a command key, like Zod, that could do that in death. Um, wouldn't that AI still try to, you know, take over planets? And, and wouldn't that still be yeah. a destructive thing? And now was Jor-El the only one that this technology, you know, he was able to have this technology. And him being such a a good Kryptonian, he was able to just give it free range in the command key and on board these ships. I don't know. It just seems like it's such a dangerous piece of technology. If it fell into the wrong hands, God help us all. Yeah. Like I think he's the only one who should be able to be able to, to be a ghost. Yeah. Computer guy. <laughs> because you think he's always going to be doing the right thing, except for Frankensteining animals. All right. Just real quick. I have one question before we, we move beyond this this moment and i maybe should have asked earlier so we, we cut from lois lane at the bar right yeah and to the ship and now kal-el is going to get this exposition expository download of information from his dad but how much time has passed since he flew off and dumped lois lane's body like how long has he been trying to reboot the system to finally gain some information? has he just been sitting there waiting <laughs> it's got to be several days since lois lane went back home wrote an article had it rejected by perry arranged to get it leaked and now we're seeing like the, what seems like it would be the very next moment of Clark Kent's life after the ship flew away would be this conversation with Jor-El. Well, maybe it is. Maybe we're uh, just, yeah. Oh, I was thinking maybe this is actually jumping back a bit. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like this, this scene on the, on the, on the scout ship is immediately after he leaves Lois and we're, we are just jumping back a little bit linear wise. Like I, I would say this is jumping back and it's almost like, Okay, so this... So if that's the case, though, it feels like this scene should have happened before we saw all that Lois and Lawrence Fishburne, or Lois and Perry White stuff, because that is several days later. Like, it's, it's just... I know this movie uses flash uh, flashbacks, but this is, like, getting really nonlinear at this point. Yeah, like, this scene and the flight scene, that whole bubble is running linear to her going to Perry White and... It, the film doesn't connect until the end of his flight sequence where she's like, how do you find a man that doesn't exist or something? She says like a yeah. narration line like that. That's where it comes back into being. I think that's when the film stops being nonlinear. Yeah. Yeah. There's no more flashbacks from then on, right? Yeah. So once the flight scene ends, everything is there. 
Yeah. yeah. I, so, so before we started recording, you said you'd heard I was going to be one of the more negative guests about this film. And this is one of the things that bugs me about the film is <laughs> like the linearity of this film is just a mess and it's just messy storytelling. And I don't know what's being added by like having this moment where we're just going to jump back three days in time and start moving linearly now because it's from a different character's point of view when you could have just inserted these days before Lois had recovered enough and written her story and now is pitching it to Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, it should have been more nonlinear. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think the film needed to, yeah, to be more nonlinear. I think, um, cause it, it, it tends to pick and choose when to be <laughs> jump back in time, yeah, and such, to yeah. Jump yeah. Back, which I mean, I do remember seeing this movie in the theaters and that was one of my biggest gripes about it was the nonlinear aspect of it. But I do, I do like it. I, I, but if um, you're doing like the flashbacks to his childhood like that fine that's a full flashback but this is just like a weird mini jump back of non-linearity mm-hmm. yeah um but i don't i, I don't want to see this film in a linear format right but it just feels like this even violates the non-linearity we've had so far <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mm. again it, it, like things like the prologue need to in the middle and this is fine i don't have a problem with it because i like the transition between the, the scout ship leaving and the lowest being at the daily planet i like that moment well, like you said it's kind of trying to reset the focus of the film now on lois digging into who this mystery man is yeah yeah but then we have like this bubble of jor-el and kal-el and the flight and it just it seems like they do it twice the scout ship to daily planet Superman flight to Lois Lane doing more investigating. It just flip-flops a bit Yeah, right here. I wonder if it was a problem that, you know, the, the editing staff had to deal with. And it, I wonder if it caused more problems throughout the movie. I and I wonder if they were just like, fine, whatever. Just keep it how it is. I don't care. We've <laughs> done not, too much. It's not like, a glaring editing issue. I don't think it's that bad of editing. It just – it. The flow, I don't know. It, the flow is really nice. But it is a storytelling issue, though. Like, yeah. It's disrupting the storytelling to try and piece a uh, place where, when this is happening. Yeah. I think a serious editing issue is if story pieces are missing. That's editing issue. Like, oh, you cut that out? Like, yeah. that's important. But this just yeah, seems and, like... Yeah, and it gets reinserted in the DVD, and you're like, oh, now something makes sense that wasn't making sense. Yeah. That's a real problem. Yeah. Now, placement like this is not... At least this isn't too far off it's 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 still a miss it's still a mistake i don't want to say a mistake because i don't know if it's planned i don't know it just almost makes it seem like you shouldn't notice it unless you're doing a minute by minute podcast it is it is off but it's not like we're missing that yeah so it's a little bit of both it's a it's all right but you know that the flow is kind of being interrupted here um what does he say um he says to see you standing there like you say your mother would have loved to see see this or does he say lara i think he says if lara could have seen seen you yeah um and then he says uh who are you and he says i'm your father um and then he says my name is jor-el so me, I'm just kind of nitpicking right here. I wish he would have said, I'm Jor-El, and then ended with, I'm your father. This is nitpicking. I feel like that would have been... Yeah. You're still keeping the cloudy suspenseness, and then he, you know, I'm your father. And it, like, it like clicks. He's like, whoa, what? You're my dad? But he started with, <laughs> I, I'm your father. My name is Jor-El. By the way, my name is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've kind of gone backwards since the height of the father reveals in Empire Strikes Back. Like, we're getting worse at doing those things. Because, yeah, I agree. This one has no impact, really, for us as an audience. And not we don't see a whole huge impact for, for Clark. But then even in uh, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, like, the reveal that Kylo Ren's father's Han Solo is handled, like, just really oddly in a conference call yeah <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah like i remember like the whole audience going like wait did he just that's how we're gonna okay <laughs> yeah when they yeah not to get too into star wars because there are people who do that thank you alex and alex robinson and pete the retailer um but yeah they they do uh just kind of 
oh han solo your father like and it's like whoa what you're just gonna drop it i mean we all knew that was coming but it just kind of seems like there there was no there's there's no tension and so so when you release information like that there's no i wonder if there's ever going to be any more tension because of the effects of empire had on on storytelling and like if you try and do it everyone's gonna say it's cliche exactly well to to do the father bit or just suspense and tension and release in general yeah i mean the father bit specifically but yeah i mean this is an example of like this should be a huge moment for clark kent and it's it just feels kind of flat <laughs> like exactly. the emotional delivery and it even would have been a, a bigger moment for the audience, like how we said, if all that Krypton stuff and how his, you know, the birth of Kal-El was seen kind of in, in these moments uh, that are soon to come up. And we would have still, like, yes, comic book fans know that Jor-El is, you know, the father of Kal-El, but it's still, as a viewer now, it, it would have a bigger impact, like how it is having on Clark at this moment. Yeah, because here's what my fantasy... Uh, here's what I wish would have happened in this scene. And because of Jor-El hologram technology, this is possible, um, where Kal-El says, who are you? And then instead of Jor-El saying, I'm your father, oh, by the way, my name's Jor-El, he should have said, I'm sure you have a lot of questions. I think it would be better if I just showed you. And then you show the birth, the Krypton Council fight, the, the whole 20 minutes, he's showing all that, and then he goes... That child was you, like, and I'm your father and all that. And, mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Kal-El's mind is blown. He's like, whoa, I just saw it. And then we as an audience just saw this 20-minute ordeal. Yeah. And we're like, that was epic way to say that, you know, for Superman to find out he's he's a, he's, you know, Superman. Yeah. Like, and, and not only is he Superman, in this version, he's a Horcrux. Like, he is the MacGuffin that's being hunted down exactly. with the Codex. <laughs> he finds out, like, he's bestowed with the Codex and all that. Um, that would have been the dopest thing ever. But yeah. instead, he's just like, yo, I'm your father. It could have even gone a step further into add in the iconic uh, Last Son of Krypton line, especially if you, when you reference the Codex and stuff. Because it seemed like all that Codex stuff in the beginning was just lost on the entire audience. People didn't know what that was. Yeah, and then he would have been like... The Codex is a really weird addition to this storyline. Yeah, we've, been, yeah. we've talked about it in earlier minutes where we're hoping they expand more on, yeah. on that. Uh, it's the one thing in the Krypton prologue that is the least explained when it should be like the most important part of that whole bit. Um, so I feel like that's definitely a Man of Steel sequel. Uh, like setup opportunity. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and what would have been also cool about that prologue is that Kal-El would have been like, well, after it ends, he, he finds out that he's that, you know, he's like, you are that child. Like, you are my son. Um, and then he goes, well... He's like, what? But you just you died in that flashback. I saw you die, and he'd been like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm as conscious. Yeah, I'm as conscious. Yeah. I'm I'm super computer AI that your father gave to you in the ship. That would have been so cool. Would have yeah. been like, you know, sign me up for that. Um, and I just want someone to recut this film and put that in there. <laughs> um, so I think that would have been some really nice editing. Yeah. Um. But that's not what happens. And we get this, and it's a little, it, it lands a little flat, but I don't know. I still like, okay, here's my opinion about what's going on. I I like Jor-El a lot. I like the character a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like that Zack Snyder made this character a little bit more important. I really like it. Not too sold on Russell Crowe. I don't think Russell Crowe gave a shit about this character yeah. or being in this film at all. Um, and then I was telling Nathan, like, this also kind of, this goes the other way for me, in my opinion. Um, as I've gone through this film, my opinion for Jorah has gone up. My opinion for Russell Crowe has gone down. But on the flip side, my opinion for Jonathan Kent has gone down, but my opinion about the actor, Kevin Costner, has gone up. Mm-hmm. So, I like the character. I think you like their portrayal, but <laughs> them as an actor. But then the other way goes for they're the other it figure. In. Yeah, right. So, but I mean, that's that's all I got about 
about that. <laughs> it would have been really cool to see the prologue now start here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, I mean, you're about to get an abbreviated version with Art Deco Kryptonian art yeah. through its whatever the liquid metal stuff is called. Mm-hmm. Which could have added, should have been all one big 30-minute thing. Or if they would have <laughs> just done, I think I said it previously, if they would have just done the whole dream sequence thing that we see later on in the movie so that we do get, instead of it being Liquid Geo, it, it actually is like a memory. Like Jor-El, this AI of Jor-El is sharing and embedding Clark with this memory. Like how, you know, they... We obviously know after, you know, later on minutes, we know that Kryptonians have the technology to read minds, to, you know, create Make dreams and, yeah, artificial, <laughs> artificialness that they can do and, and screw with your brain a lot. So it seems like they should just be utilizing that a little bit more, whereas we see it later on and it just kind of falls by the wayside. You know who should have done the, the, the Kryptonian wall storytelling is General Zod. Yeah. General yeah. Zod should have been the one, like... Let me tell you about the great nation of Krypton. And, and you get a very different version of their history, whereas now it's just kind of recapping what we already saw. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. nice to see those two different points of view. Yeah, because Jor-El... Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> Jor-El would have been the one telling you, here's all the trouble that Krypton has. Here's all the issues wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Here's why you are the answer to Krypton um, in a way that it's like you're going to be righting wrongs. And General Zod, when he shows you the, the Kryptonian deco wall story, he would have been like, here's why you're the answer to why everything Krypton was right about. Yeah. And, like, you're going to lead us back into, you know, paving a way for Krypton to to live on again through world engine terraforming. Yeah. And that would have been really cool because now kal is like, damn. He's, I, yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's got know, the conflict between these two. Like we said before, like even Zod could have been seen as another father figure or a mentor type figure because, yeah. you know, he is the same species as him and he is alive. He yeah. isn't a consciousness. Which I, I would have loved to see what Scott Corelli proposed is that he should have found General Zod first. Uh-huh. So that General Zod would have influenced him in the wrong direction first. He's like, let me show you why Krypton's great and you're going to make it great again. And then then he finds Jor-El and then Jor-El's like, Yo, let me show you how terrible Krypton actually was, mm-hmm. and that you're the last hope for us. Yeah, and then it would have blown his mind, and yeah. then Battle Metropolis, boom. Cool, cool. We're yep, we agree. Um, do you guys have anything else about this minute before we move on? I do not have anything else for this minute specifically. Already cool, Joe. Can you tell us uh, what you think about Man of Steel, or when the first time you saw it? Yeah, I saw it. It's opening weekend, and I had a lot of hope because I, to this day, I think the best Superman film we've ever had are the previews for Man of Steel. <laughs> hmm. uh, both the, the one with the Kevin Costner voiceover and the one with the Jor-El voiceover, I thought those were fantastic. And I was pretty disappointed with the actual film. And uh, there's quite a few issues, I think. I mean, we've dissected a few in these minutes, but I enjoy... A lot about Superman, like as a character in pop culture. I edited an essay collection called uh, The Ages of Superman, Essays on the Man of Steel and Changing Times. I presented a paper at a conference in Paris about the Adventures of Superman TV show from the 1950s. I love Superman as a character. And there's a lot of things in this that I think get wrong about the character and that are just frustrating from a storytelling point of view. Um, I love the idea that Superman gets his strength and his power from Krypton, but he gets his morality from earth and from ma and pa kent and smallville and the version of pa kent we get in this absolutely is not giving him a moral center <laughs> he is giving him a self-protective selfish uh isolationist uh center that kind of flies in the face of what i love about superman i love the idea of superman being a lot more hopeful and optimistic and we just don't get that tone in this film and even before the massive backlash happened i was sitting in the theater and i was frustrated in the smallville scene like why don't you take the fight one field over? Like, literally, there's one street that's occupied, and you're choosing to have a massive fight here yeah. where all of the inhabitants are. And then when we get to the Metropolis scene, and we have all the violence and destruction of Superman and Zod flying through all these buildings. And then the other thing that frustrated me, I didn't care that Superman snapped Zod's neck. Superman snapped Zod's neck in the comic, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's he has a history of killing the ones that can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. But the moment of 
Zod threatening these three or this small family, and that's what makes Superman snap. Zod's neck did not feel earned after he had flown through all the occupied buildings of Metropolis before we got to that one moment. Like, why is it suddenly I'm putting my foot down at this moment when literally thousands of people have died? And then we get the weird coda of the film i was jumping ahead where he's now working at the daily planet and i just wanted to say like how many decades later is this that metropolis has been rebuilt (laughs) because yeah (laughs) like that city was taken out so i had a lot of frustrations with it and uh i but there are good moments like the the superman flight sequence is one of my favorite superman sequences that's ever been put on film and Zack snyder can do visual iconography that is quite striking uh and i like Henry Cavill as Superman, I think he does a great job. I don't like particularly the version of Superman he's being called upon to play, but I think the acting's good. I just think there's some story and tonal and thematic elements to this that just rub me the wrong way about Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think uh, there there are some issues with editing, not as not like detrimental as like Suicide Squad's editing, um, <laughs> but I, I do think there it could have been just moved around a bit to to help the film overall um but i still enjoy it um yeah i'm not trying to say like this is an awful film that people should hate oh yeah i'm just have some frustrations with it um the the jonathan kent thing is is so questionable right now i don't know um i don't really have an answer to why he says the things that he says but i know that he he has good intentions he's trying to protect his son um and that's pretty much all i can say about him right now um because he also says some things in Donna Justice that are um, that I would like to analyze in the future. Um, but moving on to, to battles like to Smallville and Metropolis, those things I I I understand the weight of what's happening. I think he does try to um, he does try to move the battle, but moves, the Kryptonians realize that there are civilians and that he is wanting to protect them. Yeah. So they're keeping that cent- centralized in that occupied area just yeah. like how zod does bring you know the ship well, I think the metropolis, metropolis one yes but in the smallville like clark kent kind of drops the the kryptonian in the only occupied street of the city right like flies through a building and they stop there well he 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 I, I don't think he's thinking about that i think he's just yeah. so enraged that his mother was threatened that they just ended yeah. up you know stopping in this one street uh-huh. and then uh Feora and um namek show up and mm-hmm. I think they have uh, enough knowledge of, uh, you know, hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat and their abilities as of right now that they can see the, the, the destruction that it, they could cause. And I do. In, in my rewatch, uh, Superman does yell to some Smallville citizens, get inside. And I just want to say, no, get away from any buildings. That's yeah. the last yeah. place you want to be during a Superman fight. Yeah. I don't think he knew what how bad the, the battle was going to be in Smallville. But yeah. he also does try to, like, in the later... Towards the end of the fight, he does try to like get them, him and Namek and Feor mm-hmm. out of the battle because he knows it's gotten a little too too heated. Mm-hmm. Um, the Battle of Metropolis, though, I strongly believe that this is not uh, a mistake. Really, that the destruction is just so catastrophic that you know people are dying. It is. It's this is a dangerous event. Like no one has seen this before. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's, uh, you know, Zack Snyder playing with toys and, like, just, oh, uh, like, he's in love with explosions and stuff and not thinking about, like, the the consequences of that. Because that's what this movie has all been about is the his powers lead up to consequences. That's yeah. what is, you know, that's what Jonathan Kent keeps hammering into us. Um, so then when we get to the Battle of Metropolis, we see all this destruction and also the added added part where we really get to know General Zod as a character Saying that this is that this is what he's been programmed to do is to fight for Krypton, and now he has nothing left to fight for. He can't be stopped. He can't be changed. He can't be fixed. It is up to Superman to end it. But Superman doesn't want to do that. Um, like throughout the fight, he's he didn't. I guess Superman is not even the one who started the fight. It's General Zod who attacks him, uh, is being a complete menace throughout Metropolis, and Superman doesn't. He didn't go in like intending to kill general Zod, but it's not until the very end of it where he's like, you know, there's only one way this ends. Yeah. Either you die or I do. Um, and so he's left with nothing but to like, this novice Superman, you know, breaks his neck. Um, yeah. 
I I uh, I don't want to say that he snapped the neck just because those people were there, but it's because of all of it. Look at all this destruction mm-hmm. that's been caused by two aliens, um, and I feel like the the death the deaths of all the people in Metropolis that this battle caused is for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I'm one of those people that don't think that. Uh, Donald Justice was trying to fix a mistake on the storytelling. They were trying to f- address a mistake that Superman, the character, made. Is what I feel like. Yeah, and it's this know. this version of Superman. Yeah, um, that's just how I feel about it. You know, I I will agree. Like editing, there's some editing mishaps, and Jonathan Kent is questionable. But I don't think Zack Snyder is careless in the way that he did. The Battle of Metropolis. Is how it's all for yeah, I, I, I think Zack Snyder knew what he was doing. I just don't care for that interpretation of Superman. <laughs> well, when dealing with a, a novice Superman, I feel like it's it it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, we'll see. T- to each their own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is also a novice Superman who knows how to cauterize a wound instantly. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. yeah, that that's an, that's questionable to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can, if you had to, I don't know, if you had to introduce someone to Superman, what would you uh, introduce them to? Like, what would you be uh, like, this is what you need to... Book, TV, movie, anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I'm sure you've heard this, but All-Star Superman is probably one of the, the best Superman stories. Yeah, I, um, I agree. It's one of my favorites, and uh, I'm I'm a real big Superman fan, so... Yeah. And it's kind of become underrated, but I think the John Byrne relaunch right after... Crisis on Infinite Earth, so from 1986, I want to say, called Man of Steel, is also a really great six-issue origin story of Superman. Yeah, that's definitely when they started to redefine the character. Mm-hmm. Build him Yeah, back where they, they said there's all this insanity that's been built up since 1938. Let's focus this. And John Byrne did a really good job. I know John Byrne's kind of a loaded character creator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a volatile online presence, I guess I could say. Um, but that summation of trying to encapsulate all of the best aspects of Superman and ground him without, with being Superman, but without being, you know, with insane powers and power that's, you know, the ability to move moons and all these other things, I, I think is a really good, uh, six issue miniseries. That's good. Yeah, cool. It's good. Um, do you have any, and I'd also recommend the trailers for Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, is there anything, I guess, any overall opinions about the DC Cinematic Universe? Any uh, thoughts, ideas, I, opinions, hopes, <laughs> dreams? I want it to be good so much, but it just, for me, it hasn't been very good so far. <laughs> like, and I'm not trying to be a hater, like, and, and it's not, like, I I enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Films a lot more than I've enjoyed the DC Films of late. And I, I would be, I would love it if they were both equally great. <laughs> like if they would all up their great their games i have high hopes for wonder woman i think the trailer looks really good and i hope that that is a fantastic film uh because i still had a lot of the same issues with ba- uh, batman v superman as i had with man of steel i don't really have as i'm not as optimistic about justice league but i hope to be pleasantly surprised and find it to be the greatest superhero film that's been made that's tough because uh <laughs> the greatest superhero film wait co- like comic book film like of all yeah. time what in europe do you have like a top uh, like i don't have like one where i'm like this is the one but i do kind of have a cluster of like these are some of the best superhero films that they've done and thus far the dc films haven't been cracking that upper echelon for me hmm. um it's tough because uh like I, I always tell people i think the the greatest superhero comic book f- film adaptation right now like film caliber wise is the winter soldier um yeah that's that's in my top tier for sure um i am one of those people that's not really that into the dark knight because i feel like it's more of a film than a batman film so Mm -hmm. i almost it's so weird i it's a really 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 good film it's probably better than winter soldier if you're talking film but i just i don't put it that high up there something like if i wanted to introduce someone to batman it wouldn't be that film yeah. it would be like batman begins is my all-time favorite batman film mm. um i don't see justice league I, I i would i'm gonna see justice league as a film that i am going to love 
but I don't have <laughs> plans for it to being like the best superhero film of yeah. all time. Oh, I'm saying I would love it for that to happen. I don't anticipate that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, I I have hopes that I'm hoping Wonder Woman would be that film for me where I could say like that's a phenomenal film and it's up there. That that would be my dream mm-hmm. because I yeah. love Wonder Woman. Like I love that superhero so much that I want that film to be good. Um, if it wasn't part of the DC universe, I wouldn't care. I just want it to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm really hoping for that film the most right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's all I have. You have any other questions, Nate, or anything? No. I mean, God, I'd get called out on this so much. But I actually, I actually was talking to you about this before we started recording that um, I've been watching Dawn of Justice so much recently <laughs> that it is. And and I mean, hate me if you want, but it is getting up there to be my favorite comic book movie adaptation. Um, it's just the fact that I can see past the marketing and see past the actual, you know, storyline and, and see how the characters are developing are so much more important to me um, than I've seen in any other comic book movie. Uh, every other comic book movie has just seemed like it's it's conflict resolution and they're, you know, having a cool fight scene and it's some cool characters that we've seen. But the fact that they've created these characters that we're seeing for the first time in this universe that are so broken on both ends and that are just being built up to be what we want them to be and we still haven't seen that yet just overcomes everything that I've already known about comic book movies. Yeah, I think it, uh, I... I haven't seen Man of Steel since we started this, so the only film I do watch right now is Dawn of Justice. Um, I haven't seen Suicide Squad since I I bought the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched the Ultimate Edition like once, and I was like, okay, that was better than yeah. the theatrical. <laughs> but Dawn of Justice like Ultimate Edition, it's yeah, it's it, a completely different movie. A, yeah, and I I watch it too much. Uh, yes, yeah, I'd, I'd go on that boat I too. I haven't seen it. Uh, recently actually we watched it the other day when we were recording something Mm -hmm. um but i have seen that so many times since i've bought it and every time i'm just like it's it it, it, i can't not be doing something i I don't know i can't you can't just have it on in the background yeah yeah yeah. i like it gets my attention all the time exactly um and i'm like wow i I like this and i really like uh, it's weird to say, but it's not Lex. I don't know. I like Lex Luthor in the film. I really yeah. do. Um, do I wish Lex uh, had been played by someone else, like Brian Cranston? Yeah, like well, you know, my favorite Lex yeah, Luthor is but not Alexander Luthor. Two yeah. different characters. Yeah, totally different character. Um, and Kevin Spacey is my favorite Lex Luthor, but like, is still so interesting as a character. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of people don't give him credits because his name is Lex Luthor. Yeah. Like if you had just introduced his character, he's a pretty interesting character. And I and I don't think people get mad about Wonder Woman just being in the film. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like she's she's, she's the best part of the movie. She's, as far yo, as I'm concerned. People talking shit about Wonder Woman, I'm gonna fight them. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't talk shit about Wonder it's Woman. It's true. It's just I think I wanted that, more Wonder Woman in that movie. Yeah. Um, like, I think that movie just brings about so many different emotions to me that I'm, I, I understand that it has its flaws. Um, I'm willing to see past them because my love for both the characters of Batman and Superman and both the actor's portrayal of them, along with Jesse Eisenberger's Alexander Luther, um, it, it, like I said, it just overcomes all these preconceived notions of, of what I've known from my comic book experience. Um, it was just something that I, I was glad to to not be so um i don't know what i'm even trying to say um it was something that i just wasn't expecting and i'm glad that that happened like with you know especially when like the marvel phase one movies i was expecting all the outcomes that they were going to have they were happy endings they were really cool showcase of this character's origin and powers um but you know with dawn of justice you don't get that it's a complete sense of disarray and this world is just a completely chaotic and terrible place and again i mean i'm i love that because i never felt like that when i was reading comic books yeah so like the uh i guess it kind of breaks it tries to break the mold of 
typical superhero yeah. films? I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it's 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 an interesting film, and I, I like what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, that goes to say, like uh, General Zod, I think right now is my favorite villain in this universe. Jesse Eisenberg's Alexander Luther was great. Uh, his portrayal was fantastic because it was something so off the cuff and it seemed like it came so natural to him mm-hmm. in his little you know spastic self that he is but general zod and michael shannon's performance of that villain was that screamed villain to me like he yeah. can i can't see michael shannon as something other than general zod and i've seen him in multiple movies he's usually phenomenal um even off stage on his interviews he's hilarious he looks like a guy that i want to go to a bar and have a drink with and <laughs> you know sing karaoke in a terrible manner but uh it's his portrayal of zod really drove it home and it it, it took the character in a in a more chaotic sense than anything i've seen before yeah um i don't want to get too far into films that we're going to talk to about in the future but yep sorry um, going way off. i'm really hoping that aries as a supervillain is top notch and i hope it's not a static character and there's something really cool to see about just a plot point yeah yeah exactly there you go there you have it ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> uh anything well, th- uh, else joseph no, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us on Absolutely. our silly adventure here as we try to go through Man of Steel minute by minute. And just shout out our opinions. <laughs> uh, Joe, can you tell the folks where they can find you one more time? Yeah, again, you could go to protagonistpodcast.com or you could follow at Jay Dorowski on uh, Twitter. Or I have done, if you're interested in superheroes, I have edited numerous essay collections on superheroes. So if you just type Dorowski into Amazon, you should be able to find most of those. And again, that's D-A-R-O-W-S-K-I. Yeah, no, that's... I'd look into that for sure. Sign me up. Most definitely. Um, uh, So yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joe, for joining us. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate, subscribe. Find us on social media, DCEU Minute. Follow Joe, read his essays, do all that. Protagonist Podcast, don't forget it. And we'll catch you guys next week on DC Cinematic Minute.